Hello, sports fans. Welcome to the eighth episode of Beyond the Game for Double G Sports Radio. I am your host, Erica Ayala. Very excited to talk more about baseball. Yes, we are talking about baseball, but not just any type of baseball. We're talking about women, women in baseball. I had the honor of being able to cover an event that was hosted by the Brooklyn Cyclones in honor of the 25th anniversary of the movie, A League of Their Own. As a part of their promotional schedule, the Cyclones offered a giveaway of a Rockford Peaches 25th anniversary cap. However, in addition to the giveaway, the Brooklyn Cyclones also brought women in baseball, past, present, and hopefully engaging them with the future of women in baseball through a panel entitled Winning Women Power Panel. The panelists included Mary Beck, who is the VP of Marketing and Promotions at MLB, particularly for the MLB Network. Perry Barber, who is a baseball umpire, got her start in the 1980s and continues to create opportunities for women to be umpires in baseball. Then there were two former players of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League on hand. That is the league that is... um, portrayed in the film A League of Their Own. Those players from the original league that were present were Maybelle Blair and Shirley Berkovich. And finally, there were two actors from the original cast, or of course the original. There is no remake. There is no remake of A League of Their Own, and hopefully there never will be. But anyway, on hand from the original cast was Tracy Rayner, also known as Betty Spaghetti, and Megan Cavanaugh, Marla Hooch, they rounded out the panel to discuss women in baseball. And I thought this was a great event put together by the Brooklyn Cyclones. It was a great mix and blend of experience in the baseball world and lots of rich conversation on how to continue to promote and to continue to accept girls and women that want to play baseball. So (laughs) I have so many thoughts and hopefully I will wrap them up in a unified message at the end of the show. But for now, what I want to say is I would like to dedicate today's show entitled There's No Crying and Few Women in Baseball to women in baseball who often are not celebrated from Shirley and Maybell, who you'll hear from tonight, to Perry Barber, to women like Jessica Mendoza, the first female MLB analyst, Justine Siegel, and Effa Manley, who is to this day the only woman inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame, also known as Cooperstown. Effa Manley was an owner of the Newark Eagles in the Negro Leagues. I want to dedicate this show to all of those women, to the women who, even when at the ripe old age of 13, most girls are told that they can no longer play baseball and are pushed over to softball, these women, uh, as it would turn out, nevertheless persisted. Anyway, uh, eighth episode, Beyond the Game. This is There is No Crying and Few Women in Baseball. Thank you again to Gary and the Cyclones for having us out. Um, As mentioned, it's a great day for women and a great day for baseball. I have had the uh, privilege to work for Major League Baseball for the last 16 years. I started in the commissioner's office in 2001, um, and my background was in advertising sales. So I worked in the corporate sales group, which is, you know, please pay attention when you go out to the ballpark to all of the lovely sponsors like Mamanides, who are able to uh, help fund the ballpark, fund the players, and keep our games in business. Um, And after two years or so, I started working in the advertising and marketing department within Major League Baseball. And then in 2008, uh, had the privilege to help launch the MLB Network, which launched on January 1st, 2009. And at the time was the largest cable network launch in history. And so I oversee all of the marketing and promotions. So 
as a consumer or a fan, anytime you see the MLB Network logo anywhere, somebody on my team is working on that, whether it's a sign in the ballpark, a spot on television, something on social media. And that's a little bit of background on what happens if you oversee advertising and marketing for the MLB Network. Right. <laughs> So uh, you're finding out that there are many arenas within the baseball universe in which women can and are participating. My arena, I'm Perry Barber, by the way, my arena is umpiring. I've been umpiring for 37 years. Of course, I'm only 43 years old, so. <laughs> yeah, a long time. And when I started umpiring, there were very, very few women in either professional baseball or even amateur baseball. And I am just thrilled that uh, just a few days ago, one, one of the women that is now umpiring in professional baseball, because there are two, worked right here at Brooklyn Cyclones Park. So that is incredibly exciting. Another woman got promoted into pro ball this year, and that's never happened in the entire history of baseball, that two women were promoted in consecutive years into professional umpiring. So to me, that's, that's a huge step forward for baseball to have taken to making the commitment, and I believe it's sincere, because I went to umpire school back in the 1980s when the attitude was, well, we need you to prove that we don't discriminate, but we're not really gonna you know, look at you as a prospect. Now, the, the thinking is that keeping women out, uh, depriving half the population of a shot at being a candidate for a major league umpiring job is biting the hand that feeds you. Because I happen to know that women make great umpires. Yeah. We do. <laughs> so, we, we really do. We bring something very special to the table as far as visual acuity and the kind of um, inner composure that helps somebody um, manage a baseball game. Because to me, that's one of the very exciting things about umpiring is that it's not just calling safe, out, fair, foul. It's about so much more than that. Things that you learn and can apply to your daily life as a regular person. And that's why I found umpiring so fun and stimulating after 37 years. So I, I'm looking for women to follow in my plate shoes. So I, I'm looking around. I see a few here. So <laughs> umpiring is now welcoming women. So women, um, it's, it's a great thing to do. So think about it. And Oh. Well, you're wondering what this old lady's doing up here. Uh, I used to be one of the old ball players of League of Their Own. Did you see the movie? Yeah. Well, these, 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 these two girls sort of portrayed us a little bit. They did, they did a fairly good job, didn't they? I hate to admit it, but I think they did a damn good job. But anyway, uh, you're probably wondering, how in the world was it when you were playing ball to play in those darn skirts? Well, let me tell you something. When I got in my uniform, I thought I was the cutest girl in the world. <laughs> I really did. I'm not kidding you. Anyway, and you also wondered, well, how in the world was it to play in the darn thing? Well, hey, you can play in anything if you want to play baseball, right? Yeah. I, I wear a, a steel helmet if I had to. But anyway, um, uh, the main thing that's worst for us is you, all these guys that play baseball today, they have pads for everything, right? You mentioned it, they got a pad for it. Their ankles, their knees, their, so they got sweatbands, they got this band, they got that pad. Well, we didn't have any pads. So when we slid, we slid. And I'm telling you today, I am still dragging out blisters from the salt in my rear end here. Yeah, that, that's a fact. I'm telling you, if anybody wants to have a feel, let me know afterwards. I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on it. But anyway, I had a wonderful time and what was so wonderful for us old ball players, Shirley's a little younger than I'm. I'm, I'm only 90, but anyway, um, 
I, I just love these girls. We have become very, very good friends now, and uh, I'm very proud of them. But honest to God, baseball was what brought us all together. And there's nothing in this world like baseball. We are. What am I standing up for? I feel like I'm doing a preaching job, am I? <laughs> well, I better sit down. But anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is we're trying to build a museum in Rockford, Illinois now to honor all women that has ever played baseball. And in the future, we have a spot right across the street from Byer Stadium where the Rockford Peaches used to play ball. And we're trying to develop that now. So one of these days, we're going to have Williamsport for girls right there in Rockford, Illinois. That's all I have to say. Thank you, everybody. 25 years ago, me and some actors <laughs> showed up for an audition at USC and had no idea really what to expect. Megan crashed the audition in Chicago. <laughs> Didn't even have an agent, got in, and this group of women that came together because my mom was so moved and such a sports fan, and I'm sorry she can't be here, but please say hi. <laughs> um, it changed us, and now I think 25 years later, you can see why. We're one of the tightest casts of any movie. Um, not many actors stay involved with whatever the charity or cause or thing they do their movie about. But Megan and I came home pregnant, so baseball was very good to us. <laughs> we enjoyed it. We made things from it. And we both had sons. So we had to, like, switch it around. <laughs> we had to play ball with our sons, and our sons, you know, did and didn't, and hey, that's your thing, which was really interesting. I now am here with my daughters who are upstairs because they're fascinated by the Coney Island aspect of this <laughs> day, and we flew in on the red eye last night. I will do this till the end of my life on behalf of these ladies because you cannot take me bringing my daughters to the next generation and the over 15 countries now play nationally funded, sponsored ball. And Major League Baseball, I hope, rises to the occasion as the most diverse organization on the planet, except for women. And, and continue this. All of you guys showed up because it matters, because it's possible. And because we've heard, what, 25 years of amazing stories. I got the heavier ones because I got the telegram, so I heard everybody's war stories, but everyone else, we had PE coaches, athletes, kids who were going to give up, people, women who were confused and didn't know what to do with their lives and did not know that they were actually being given permission to play ball, which is an interesting spin to put on playing and ball with women. And now we're allowed to play baseball, and it's only going to continue. Right? When places like Pakistan and Uganda and Cuba and Brazil, and help me. No, you're doing good. <laughs> and and, and, and it, it's, it's, it's all on my Facebook, and it will come out because I will give you the list. <laughs> but people don't know this yet. They don't know that there's three girls from around the country in Canada who for 25 years have gotten in contact with us, Justine Siegel and AJ. AJ, no, the, the other girl, Crash. AJ Richards, and, and these women, without even our help, it took them years to get to meet us, have started adult ball, kids ball. There was no farm league for girls to come up in. And all of this has happened in 25 years. So between your efforts, fathers, oh, thank you for throwing a ball with your daughters. It changed you, didn't it? It makes you look at your wife different. And now, to be a part of opening this door is too much. It's huge. They gave us lifetime memberships to Cooperstown for being actors. <laughs> and the fact that we can be here and help anything you need to make this excel and go farther so that there's complete female immersion in baseball like there is in every other sport, um, we're here. And we're not going anywhere. And now we're almost as old as you guys were when we met you. <laughs> I was 25. Um, this is it. This is huge. This is bigger than telling a story about a disaster or being in an action adventure or 
this, when I look at what's happened and what's changed and how everyone's so excited, him especially, he's like, I got my daughter here. <laughs> That's it. You know, we're done. This is amazing and thank you. Thank you everyone who's participated. That was Tracy Reiner. She didn't say her name, but that was Tracy Reiner. Um, um, my name is Megan Cavanaugh. I played Marla Hooch. I had the great honor of playing that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. I learned to play uh, ball by, um, with 16-inch softball, no mitt. Um, I only could hit. I was a sucky fielder. Um, and I had to learn how to use a mitt uh, in, when I came to work with the League of Their Own People. But I could always hit. And, um, and I'm just, I'm here, I'm everything Tracy said, ditto, 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 ditto. And um, I'll talk more later, and I'm going to hand this over to Shirley. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, I figured by the time it got to me, we'd probably all be leaving anyway. <laughs> uh, Shirley. Shirley Berkovich, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I played from 1949 to 1951 with the Muskegon Lassies and the Rockford Peaches. So anyway, it was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, I was 16 years old when I signed my first contract, and uh, I thought it was going to be my career. I planned on playing forever, and it never happened. And I was devastated, as was all the girls in the league, when it folded. So now I'd like to see an opportunity for now all you young girls to have that same opportunity that I had and have our own league of their own. That was Shirley Berkovich, who just closed out the introductory part of the panel. Next, you'll hear the women respond to a few questions from the audience. The first question was a little bit difficult to hear. Only the women had a microphone. There was not a microphone in the room. But that first question is to Perry about the pay structure for umpires, as well as how long the training is to be an umpire. Then you'll also hear from Mary from MLB, as well as Perry, talk about the opportunities that Major League Baseball has created by way of scholarship to allow women to have support as they look to start a career as umpires. It sucks. <laughs> Until you get to the Major Leagues, we do it mostly for love. We don't do it for the guilt or the glory. So uh, get used to it. It's not a very high paying job in either amateur or college baseball is a nice payday, but minor league baseball, you're not looking to support a family in very fine style until you get to the major leagues and that's a great living. So that's eyes on the prize. I'm no, sorry. How long is your school? Umpire school is five, five weeks. And it's very expensive. It's a big commitment as far as money and, um, you know, thinking about getting a job. So. <laughs> but it, lately, MLB has actually been offering umpires. There are scholarships. Yes, and scholarships. they have free clinics <coughs> where uh, umpires can go and basically compete for a scholarship to go to umpire school. And that's open. The two women that have promoted the last are both scholarship students. So it's definitely having a good effect on getting women into baseball. What about female managing an events team for the men, the major leagues? You know, women managing instead of men, men, men or women managing the men's baseball teams? Well, uh, Justine Siegel managed a team, in, or uh, she coached Coach. a team, and we know she has managerial skills that are as yet untapped. Um, but there's no reason why a woman couldn't manage a baseball team, right? I mean. You don't have any have to have any particular. Didn't Effa Manley manage? Yes, she was. Did, an owner. Yes, yes. She was an owner, but yeah, yeah but she yeah. did she a continued. lot. Yeah, yeah, she performed a lot of functions with her. Hey, good. Yeah, thank you. I have a question back there. Right here. I have a question for Tracy and Megan. Do you guys remember the song? Of course. <laughs> of course, because Pepper Pear wrote the original version, and then my mom had her producing partner's father, who was a jingle writer re-record the whole thing and we hated that. Uh, so we remember the original version. I sing it like every single day. 
Okay. Awesome. Oh, thank you. That's great. Well, we hoped. We well, our, our biggest goal was that these gals would be proud and that their story would get told because there was no information. Like, you open any history book, you would not see anything about this league. I, my mother was a librarian. She helped me research for this, this role. I could find nothing. I found, like, a picture in Life magazine from, like, you know, 1945 or and something. And to this I mean, day, Cooperstown gets more calls about the ladies than any other player or team. <laughs> We Which filmed for nine months. Oh, yeah. Where? Evansville? Uh, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky. Yeah, but a lot in Evansville. Yeah, a lot of Evansville. And Henderson, Kentucky. You know, I ended up marrying a veteran. <laughs> I didn't understand. I think me and Gary Sinise took our roles very seriously, his and Forrest Gump. and. Uh, besides Dean Kane, there aren't a lot of actors who really do a lot for, for veterans. But um, I work with the American Legion now, and um, it's been a really amazing experience because I had hundreds of people, thousands of people come up to me and tell me their experience, that that happened to their father or their brother or their son. Or, and, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that this whole thing didn't go away. And that at first, the sports card shows wouldn't let the ladies in. We were real players, real athletes, unless the actors came. So we did. We went to so Hawaii. So we, we were pregnant. We, yeah. <laughs> we didn't care. We had a great time. Many months of, of, of spring training. They, we went through a lot of training. Um, we trained eight hours a day, six days a week at USC before we left. I learned to bat left-handed and right. And by the time I shot the gym, I was doing 80 miles an hour both sides. That's how good the, the training was. Yeah. No, the coaches at USC awesome. couldn't even believe it. And then we got to play with the White Sox. Then we got to play at Wrigley Field. The Cubs showed up, and every time we did a card show, they'd be like, girls are here. What do you want? And Daryl Strawberry, every guy you could name was like, here, take my stuff. Just, there's girls here. Not just like a tennis player in the corner. So it really changed a lot of things. And at first they were like, well, you can sell your headshots for $5. And now, with all these Hollywood shows and signing shows, it's just, right, it's exploded. And and that's and who's got a bobblehead now? I do. She got a bobblehead. She got a bobblehead. <laughs> the rubber ducks, the, the Akron rubber ducks made me a bobblehead. Right on. I was very touched. All right, everyone, we have time for two more questions. Two more questions. I saw an arm over here. Go first. Back there. Uh, well, specifically a few months ago, who was, Maybell, you were there actually just a few weeks ago, we hosted a breakthrough series clinic at the Compton Youth Academy in Compton, Los Angeles. So that is something that they have recently been doing. I'm, my focus at MLB is not specifically on the community side of things, so I can't speak as much to the youth development inclusion programs there, but recently there has been the addition of Billy Bean is our ambassador for inclusion. We've hired new folks specifically to focus on youth and developing that within the sport. And if we keep reminding them that they have not found the Serena Williams of baseball, they might keep looking. <laughs> yeah. And see how profitable that would be. Last one. Yep, right. She said, how true to life was the depiction of, of I would say about 90% was true. Uh, it was just the Hollywood stuff, like her doing the splits and um, Tom Hanks coming into the uh, dressing room. A man was not allowed in our dressing rooms whatsoever. Never. You couldn't drunk and pee? No. Yeah, you couldn't do that. I'm glad she said it. I didn't, because I'm pure.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the German Martini is her middle name, but just so you know. We have a sort of like a chaperone with us now. Where's Donna Cohen? Anyway, Donna Cohen tells me when to sit, when to eat, and when to walk, when to talk. She takes good care of all of us. She's like a chaperone. We don't have to think. Before we close out this episode of Beyond the Game, we're going to hear a one-on-one conversation that I was able to have with Perry Barber, talking a little bit more about women as umpires in baseball, but then also her thoughts about some of the technological advances in the sport and how that might impact umpires. So you will hear from Perry Barber, and then we will close out episode eight of Beyond the Game. Uh, so, Perry, you were here for the Winning Women panel earlier today. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about uh, your involvement in the game of baseball. I've been umpiring for 37 years, and my participation in today's panel was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I feel very fortunate to be a part of whatever Maybelle Blair and Shirley Berkovich are part of. And I've actually been fortunate enough to be working with them for the last, I think, three or four years now on that um, group that Maybell talked about that's uh, putting together uh, the plan to build a women's and girls' baseball museum out in Rockford, Illinois. We have the land. It was given to us as a gift. Um, we just raised the two, raised, R-A-Z-E-D, meaning tore down the two buildings that were there because unfortunately they were not up to code and um, so we just decided to uh, start fresh and now we're getting funding for actually building the site and we have modest but big plans for it. So we're all very excited about that and it's it's just been a wonderful adventure um, hanging with Maybell and Shirley and the rest of the, and I, I've only recently become acquainted with Tracy and uh, Megan Cavanaugh, the actors from the move the film A League of Their Own. And they're just wonderful and they are so supportive and they feel um, passionate about the fact that the movie changed their lives and changed their perspective on a lot of things. And for a film to have that kind of impact, uh, not just on the actors and the people who participated in making it, but on the audience who viewed it. I mean, and you, I mean, you saw the, the the line to get autographs from Maybell and Shirley and and Tracy and Megan is endless. It's been going on for more than an hour now, and people just love meeting them and talking to them, and they just evoke something really special and necessary um, to inspire people to believe that they can make something good happen in their lives and that they can control what happens and and do something really good and something that they are passionate about and that they love and they that they don't have to think inside the box that they can go for their dreams and to have that kind of effect on people 25 years after the thing that they did that started the ball rolling it's just so beautiful to see and to understand that you know, the way other people feel about it. And there are a few things that I, I took away from, from what you were just saying. One is is that you felt that you know you were, you were a little disjointed from the the celebration of today, which is the 25th anniversary of a league of their own. But 
in a lot of very real ways, the League of Their Own helps to shine a light on women in baseball. And you do fall into that category as an umpire. And you talked about the, the lack of women in baseball, but also the opportunities that now exist for women in baseball. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. When I started 37 years ago, that was 1981, was my first year. I started in Little League out in California, basically on a, a, a lark. Um, my mother suggested it to me, and I looked at her like she was out of her mind. And there was nothing at all political or feminist about her suggestion. It was just that she sensed something in me that I did not sense within myself. And she connected a number of dots and decided that umpiring was something that I might like and be good at. And in 1981, this was a very radical idea for a woman to express that to another woman. Um, but like I said, there was nothing political about it. It was just that she knew that I loved baseball and that I had read a book about umpires and I, I was coming off a career as a singer-songwriter and I'd written a bunch of songs about baseball and one of them was about an umpire. And to this day, I don't know if I would ever have thought of umpiring as something that I, I would want to do if my mother hadn't suggested it to me. And since I started in 1981, there has been such a sea change in attitudes towards women officials. As you probably know, the NFL and the NBA now both have women officials. In leagues and associations all over the globe, there are women umpiring and refereeing at the top echelons of every other major sport, except of course baseball, which is our national pastime and lags so far behind other sports in picking up that particular ball. But in the last five, ten years, that has changed too, and I, I sense a very sincere commitment on the part of the people who are in a position to make those changes, that they are really now interested in doing that, rather than resistant to it, which was always the, the impediment, um, you know, for 20 years when I was starting and continuing. But now that's changed. Now, um, the the people, and it's still mostly men, the m mostly men who are in charge of um, recruiting, training, promoting umpires throughout their minor and then major league careers um, are beginning to sit up and take notice. And now there are two women in professional baseball in the very low levels of minor league baseball. One was promoted this year, the other was promoted last year. That had never happened, that women were promoted into pro ball in successive years. So to me that's a huge good omen that the commitment is real and that it's going to continue instead of stagnate because the pattern up until five years ago was to allow one woman in basically let her die on the vine and then say well she's served her usefulness now another one can start over at the bottom and that way we can say that we're not standing in the way but neither are we doing anything to actually make it happen and now there is proactivity on that front which is very important it, because you can't just sit around I learned this through umpire you can't just sit around and wait for something to happen you have to be aware enough and and eager enough to you know, make it happen yourself. Absolutely. So. Two more questions for you. Sorry if I no, I no, start to wax poetic you're and you're asking no. very evocative questions. Please, so. that's exactly what I want. <laughs> so I'm only thinking of Stop me if I... If I'm I, only thinking of your time. I'm happy to talk to you as long okay. as you like. Thanks. Um, but I wanted to think about, first, for people who are listening to this, because this will be a podcast, um, and are females or no women who want to get involved with umpiring, where would you uh, guide them? What are some resources? I would guide them to the ladies' room. <laughs> Literally, because I was just in the ladies' room here at MCU Park where the Cyclones play. And it was, oh my gosh, it made me feel so incredibly good about what we've been doing here today. Sending the message that umpiring and baseball is now welcoming to women, not merely as spectators and consumers, but as active participants. Players, coaches, umpires, administrators, at every announcers, every level, writers, journalists. I was in the ladies room and 
uh, two women walked up to me and said, oh, you're the umpire. We heard you talking earlier. And one of them said, you know, I've been thinking about umpiring for my local Little League, and now I, after hearing you talk, I think I'm going to do it. And I just felt like crying. But there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> so I hugged her instead, because there is hugging. There is hugging <laughs> Especially, <yeah. laughs> so, you know, every little bit has a, a ripple effect. And um, so... It's it's so different now than when I started, and I have real hope and optimism that within my lifetime, we will see women umpiring Major League Baseball, and we will see lots of women umpiring college baseball and high school baseball, and Little League actually is doing a very good job of drawing women to their ranks of umpires. I tip my cap to Little League. Much better with the umpiring than the playing. They They... You know, there are lots of things about the the softball program and the way it was developed to siphon girls away from playing baseball that, yeah, women, and still, even now, you hear story after story from young girl that was told at age 12 or 13, as she aged out a little league, well, now it's time to go play softball instead. And all of the girls, including Jenny Finch, who started out as a baseball player, and she was told the same thing. And that's why um, it's so important to give girls that place to keep playing, to develop their skills. Not that I have anything against softball. I don't. I love any participation sport that brings women and girls together so they learn competition and sports sportspersonship and you know the rules of play and strategy and so many important things and that's all basically coming coming together right now in this day and age and I'm just so happy that I'm alive right now and part of it to see it happen and oh boy I can't wait you know for the first game that a woman walks out onto a major league field and takes the lineup cards for the oh, first yeah. time. Uh, here's, so. here's hoping it happens soon. It will. It, well, soon meaning seven, seven to ten years because the, there's no shortcut to a major right. league umpiring job. The women that are in A ball right now will have to work their way through double A and triple A. So it will be a journey of at least six to eight years. But we are nothing, women are nothing if not patient, are we not? That is correct. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> and my last question is more generally about the profession. Umpires as referees and officials in any sport usually get a lot of heat and flack. But now there's a lot of conversation coming on the technology side. And what are your thoughts about using technology a little bit more in baseball? There are conversations about using technology to call balls and strikes, and some even go as far as saying in lieu of umpires. Mm, in lieu of, yes, I, I like that. As, as a matter of fact, the announcers on the Mets broadcast last night were talking about that very topic. And thankfully, Ron Darling, as soon as uh, Gary Cohn said something about electronic plate umpires, Ron Darling went, Bleh. He, I mean, he made a real retching sound, and I was like, all right. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, I'm old school. An umpire blowing a call is as much a part of the game as a shortstop kicking an easy ground ball and, you know, misfiring. So, and, and umpires in general are so adept at, and so um, qualified to do what they do, even though people don't believe it sometimes and they wonder how the hell did he get his job or keep his job. But literally, they are the best of the best and they're highly trained and as I pointed out just a few minutes ago, they go through this intensive training over a period of as much as a decade before they're even ready to think about working a major league job. So um, it's a process of growth and development and um, it's the same whether you're a man or a woman. And the women obviously have to prove themselves still um, probably twice as competent as the men to be judged on the same level. But we accept that and we are willing to work as hard as it, you know, we were required to, to, uh, you know, fulfill our dreams. And 
I think I completely went off track of no, it. <laughs> I wanted your thoughts on it. Okay. I have very strong thoughts of my own. I, I think, you know, baseball is one of those sports that lends itself to traditionalism. And I think right. that sometimes is is great, in my opinion, but also when it comes to such things as women in baseball, right. it can be a hindrance to the game. Well, traditionally, baseball has had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the next century or yes. decade. I mean, witness Jackie Robinson. Yes. He, he got called up to the major leagues in 1947, but it wasn't until 1959 that the, the sole remaining major league team that didn't have a black ball player finally signed one. And that was the Boston Red Sox who punched it. And you're nodding, like you know all this. Yeah, yeah. so it wasn't it, like Jackie Robin, I, I, when they say he broke the color barrier, I think of him as kind of vaulting over it and leaving it for the other people who followed him to bust it down for good. I mean, he, he was the first one and God bless him for what he had to withstand and the kind of person he was to do it. And the woman that becomes the first or the first women will probably have to have the same inner composure to withstand a lot of slings and arrows and you know unfair criticism because there are still people out there that think women by virtue of our gender just do not belong out on a major league baseball field. But thankfully they are now a minority and um, most umpires welcome the opportunity to get the call right, but you don't want it to intrude on the pace or the flow of a right. ball game. So finding that middle ground is tricky. And, you know, they're still tweaking the replay system, obviously. And, you know, but it's a very interesting, you know, progressive uh, thing for the baseball. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. All right. As always, I want to thank you for listening in to this very special episode. They're all special. Uh, they're all special, but as a baseball fan, anytime I get to talk about baseball is always very, very special. This episode, the eighth episode of Beyond the Game, there is no crying and few women in baseball. I would like to thank again the Brooklyn Cyclones for allowing me to attend the event and also thank the Brooklyn Cyclones for having such uh, a well-rounded event where the stories of not just Tracy and Megan as the actors, but also of Perry, of of Mary, of Maybell, and of Shirley came to light. There are a few things that I would like people listening to look out for, such as the International Women's Baseball Center. The land was purchased last year, and now the Women's Center is in phase two of their fundraising looking to break ground this will be the first of its kind brick and mortar space to house the history of women's baseball and women in baseball uh, so not just the athletes but the coaches and the trainers and the umpires and the executives so this is very exciting again that's the international women's baseball center also, in the show notes, you'll see the information about the winning women's panel. You'll see information about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Uh, we've got all kinds of good stuff up there for you. And um, also, ESPN did a, a great story. They pulled together an oral history of a league of their own. So if you want to know more about the 25th anniversary of that. And finally, I mentioned Effa Manley, the only woman inducted into Cooperstown. I have heard that, and I actually wrote uh, about a year ago now, that there is a screenplay for a biopic on Effa Manley and her story, which is, there are so many, I, I, I might need to have a show on Effa uh, on her own, she deserves it. So much history and so much, oh, just tenacity from everything that I've read learning about Effa Manley. But allegedly, at least last I checked, the director of A League of Their Own, the one, the only Penny Marshall, is also attached to the early um, process, if you will, of the biopic for Effa Manley. And women have 
not been celebrated in the sport of baseball and it makes it very hard for someone who's a very very passionate baseball fan it makes it hard to not always feel that I belong or that I'm accepted into the sport knowing what I know about the sport and for those people who worked with me in the restaurant industry you know that I'm more than happy to let people know exactly what I know about baseball but that also will save for another day but also as a woman of color Effa Manley, Tony Stone, uh, you know, Monet Davis from Little League made a lot of headlines, but there are, are women of color, just as we've always been there in any piece of history, including as, you know, Rosie's, Rosie the Riveters working on the, the fighter planes. We've always been a part of history. Women have always been a part of history. Black women have always been a part of history. And I think it's very important that as we learn these stories that we share them out. So while I can understand and do agree that it's frustrating that to some extent we stop asking questions after this wonderful baseball, wonderful sports film was made by Penny Marshall, we sometimes stop at that moment in time, forgetting that Shirley and Maybell are still around. We still have them. These gems. Maybell's over, she's 90 years old. Shirley, I believe, is 84. They're still around. They're still traveling and telling their story, but they're also still fighting for the sport that they love. Baseball. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to do my uh, James Earl Jones impression, but uh, just think and in your mind know that I'm trying to say that like James Earl Jones from Field of Dreams. Oh, such a good movie. You should read Shoeless Joe. Shoeless Joe is the book in that inspired Field of Dreams. You should also look into the history of how that film came about. Oh my goodness, for people who are spiritual and uh, religious, I think you'll really enjoy some of the stories that unfolded. And as I um. Whew, as I just lost my father in February and he and I didn't necessarily have a baseball connection but but the connection to family and the connection to one's father that is so I mean in some ways that's really what that movie is about the book is 10 times that so if you enjoy Field of Dreams I highly recommend for your summer reading add Shoeless Joe that's by W.P. Kinsella uh that's the last name of the character, Ray, who was played by, uh, of course, Kevin Costner. All right, I'm going off on my, my geek tangent, but it, it's truly, it's a, it's a good book. But the point being that we need to tell those stories as lovers of baseball. I'll share with you books that I read, Shoeless Joe, uh, share the films that inspired us to, to seek out more history, but let's not forget that women are a part of that history as well. And we don't have to just go to Effa Manley. We don't just have to go to Maybell and Shirley. And sometimes we don't even go there. Um, but there are women right now who are making history. And it's 2017. Baseball's been around for a while. And there are women that are making history now. And there are women who want to continue to play this glorious sport of baseball. And we have to be able to if we truly love the game and if we truly want to be stewards of the game then we have to respect the game enough to to honor all of those who make an impact and i am a mets fan that's been made painfully clear i'm sure but i respect the history of the yankees i know the history of the yankees i could name probably more Yankees players over the years probably not, maybe not the current team then <laughs> I'll just say most people if you if you want to be a fan of something you have an obligation I feel very strongly about this you have an obligation to, to know your team history to know the history of the game uh, from the rules to the roles um, to do you know the story of why uh, of why there is um, 
you know, no designated hitter in the National League. Do you know the teams and the people, the personnel that were involved in that? If I'm not mistaken, ESPN did a great little piece on that. Um, do you know that story? Do you know that Jackie Robinson did not break the color barrier? If we want to accurately say what Jackie Robinson did, he broke the color barrier in modern baseball. He was not the first black man to play baseball. Do we know that history? Do we care? Sports, as you might be able to tell from this show, Beyond the Game, yes, it's entertainment, (laughs) but when we ask people from the athletes themselves to the owners to the fans to just stick to sports, we miss so much culture, we miss so much history. We miss so much of what's great about baseball. And some of these conversations about sexism, about racism, are they hard? Heck yeah, they're hard. But it's the hard that makes it great. Indeed, it is the hard that makes it great. So let's put in the work. We expect the athletes to put in the work on the field and let us put in the work as well. Oh man, I really enjoyed recording this show. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you for listening. This is Beyond the Game, episode eight. I'm your host, Erica Ayala. Make sure you're checking us out at doublegsports.com, at doublegsports on social media, and Double G Sports Radio. We are housed at Blog Talk. You can also find us over on iTunes and a bunch of other places. I will have on my blog and my twitter and social media i'll I'll put up the link for the show and all of the other shows that you might have missed and uh, we hope that you will tune in if not to be on the game on some of our other amazing shows that we do a lot of them live and um, give us a listen give us a follow give us a read we've got great writers and photographers doing amazing things trying to bring you the stories not just at the at the professional level but at high school college pro which includes women's sports so double g sports is covering that area in the tri-state area which is new york new jersey and connecticut as well as philadelphia Anyway, before I go on more baseball rants, which hopefully I will record and make into other episodes, we are going to close out this episode. Thank you so much again. This is your girl, Erica Ayala, Beyond the Game podcast, signing off, episode eight. Peace.